Well, good morning. My name is Adam. If we haven't met, I'm part of the team here, and it is uh, great to be with you today. It's great to be back after being uh, taken out by sickness last week, as many have been at the moment. Thanks to Ben for stepping in at the last minute and preaching uh, my sermon. He did a great job. I've, I've never heard Ben so witty, <laughs> so insightful. I never realized what an amazing Bible teacher he is. Just kidding. He did do a wonderful job. I would like to pray for us, and then let's dive in. Father, thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As we approach it now, Lord, we ask that what we know not, you would tell us. What we have not, you would give us. And what we are not, you would make us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are a couple of different ways to make a U-turn, to turn around. You can do it the way that the country singer described in the classic old trucking song. He said, give me 40 acres and I'll turn this rig around. Or you can do it in the way that the street racers do it in the Fast and the Furious movies. At top speed with smoking tires in the middle of a busy street. Now today, as we come to Acts chapter 9, we are looking at one of the most famous U-turns in history. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And we see that he turns around like a street racer at top speed, in the middle of the street, with smoking tires. I mean, this really is one of the most amazing conversion stories in history. Saul is on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, but on the way, he becomes a Christian. Saul is on his way to put a stop to the church, but on his way, he not only becomes part of the church, he is enlisted by God to help the spread of the church. He goes from murderer to messenger, from persecutor to preacher. It's one of the most amazing conversions in history. I mean, Michael Jordan going from basketball to golf, or or Donald Trump going from playboy to politician, they've got nothing on this conversion. This is a sudden and a stunning U-turn. Now, let me ask, what about you? Many of us are Christians in here today. What was your U-turn experience like? Was it a bit like Saul's, like a a street racer? Was it sudden and, and, and dramatic? Or was your conversion experience a bit more like the, the country singer described, the big rig turning around? Was it slow and ordinary and gradual? I mean, maybe when you came to Jesus, there were no blinding lights, there was no audible voices, you weren't struck down. Maybe it was in a church service, maybe on a camp, maybe with a parent, maybe at school with a chaplain. Maybe you can't even pinpoint an exact moment. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family, you you grew up coming to church, you've always heard about Jesus, and you've always believed in Jesus. Now, if that's your experience, is that somehow defective? I mean, should all conversion experiences be like Saul's? Should they be sudden and dramatic? 
And of course, the answer is no. And we know this is true because there are other conversions that we're told about in the Bible. And they're not all dramatic like Saul's. Some of them are slow and ordinary and gradual, like Timothy. Timothy was a a young leader in the church. And we're told in 2 Timothy that he heard the scriptures from infancy, from when he was a baby. He grew up hearing about Jesus. He actually came to faith through the example of his mother and his grandmother. Timothy's conversion was slow and ordinary and gradual. You see, not all conversion stories are dramatic. Nor does dramatic mean better. Because all conversions to Christ, whether they're dramatic or whether they're ordinary, they all cost the same. The death of Christ on the cross, and they all lead to the same place. Union with Jesus forever. And so if you're here today and and, and you would say, well, I have a boring story. Have you heard that before? Someone asked, how did you come to know Jesus? And they'll say, oh, well, I've got a boring testimony. I've always heard about Jesus. I've always believed in Jesus. I would say to you, no, no, you have a blessed story. Listen, I'm praying that my kids would have a boring story. I hope that one day they say, I have a boring testimony. I've always heard about Jesus. I've always believed in Jesus. Because to have a boring story means to be a blessed person. I mean, to grow up in a a believing home, to grow up in a healthy church, that's not something to be embarrassed about. That's a sign of God's grace to you. See, the fact is, not all conversions will look the same. Not all of them will be big and flashy and dramatic like Saul's. In fact, Saul's conversion was quite unique and exceptional. We read in verse 15 that Saul was God's chosen instrument. He was the man that God set apart to be his messenger to the nations, to share his message to the world, to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And this is partly why Saul's conversion story is so dramatic, because God would use him in such a significant way. And yet, at the same time, we can still learn something from Saul's conversion, because there are elements of Saul's conversion that are present in every Christian conversion. Here's the way that John Stott puts it in his uh, excellent commentary. He says, in order for us to be converted, it is not necessary for us to be struck by divine lightning, wonderful, or fall to the ground, or hear our name called out in Aramaic, any more than it is necessary to travel to precisely the same place outside Damascus. Nevertheless, it is clear from the rest of the New Testament that other features of Saul's conversion are applicable to us today. Provided that we distinguish between the dramatic outward accompaniments and the essential inward experience, what happened to Saul remains an instructive case study in Christian conversion. And so this is what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the example of Saul's conversion to see what it can teach us about conversion generally for all people in all places at all times, including us. I mean, if you've ever wondered, what does it look like to become a Christian? What does it mean to become a Christian? Well, we're going to discover that today as we look at Saul's conversion. And we're going to look at four things, four realities that are present in every Christian conversion. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. Conversion begins with God. Conversion begins with God. Now, if you're not a Christian, someone's invited you to church, dragged you to church, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with me? 
I'm not really that interested in conversion. I'm not really that interested in Jesus. Well, here's the truth. Neither was Saul. As Saul was on the Damascus Road, the furthest thing from his mind was conversion. The last thing he was looking for was a relationship with Jesus. I mean, we'd already heard that Saul wanted to destroy the church. He'd gone from house to house in Jerusalem, arresting Christians and throwing them in jail. And this had caused the Christians to flee the city, to flee Jerusalem. But Saul wasn't content with kind of chasing the Christians away. He wanted to stamp them out. And so he goes on a journey from Jerusalem, 200 kilometers north to Damascus. You can't really see it on the map, so just pretend that you can. And, you know, there's an arrow that goes north. 200 kilometers, long journey from Jerusalem to Damascus. Now, Paul, on this journey, he has one thing and one thing only on his mind. To hunt down Christians. Verse 1 says that Saul was breathing out murderous threats. He wanted to destroy the Christian church. So here's the point. Saul was not exactly in the right frame of mind for conversion. Saul was not exactly an ideal candidate for coming to Jesus. Again, here's the way John Stott puts it. He says he was in no mood to consider the claims of Christ. His heart was filled with hatred and his mind was poisoned by prejudice. If we had met him as he left Jerusalem and had told him that before he reached Damascus, he would have become a believer, well, I think he would have done more than ridiculed the idea. I think he would have been furious. He would not have believed you. Saul wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't interested in Jesus. Nor was it particularly advantageous for Saul to come to Jesus. Wasn't a good career move for him. Saul was a Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader. Faith in Jesus was not going to move him up the ladder. In fact, it was going to do the opposite. And it did. After Saul's conversion to Christ, it cost him everything. It cost him his security. It cost him his job. It cost him his reputation. It cost him his possessions. And it would eventually cost him his life. All because of Jesus. Humanly speaking, Saul lost everything when he placed his faith in Jesus. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't interested in Jesus. And yet, Jesus came and found him anyway. And this is always how Christian conversion begins. It doesn't begin with anything in us, with our goodness, with our record, with our searching, with our surname, with our sincerity. It begins with God's grace to us. We see this in many different places in the Bible. Let me just give you an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In other words, how did you come to know Jesus? God made his light to shine in your heart. God gave you spiritual knowledge where there was none. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. We weren't sick or sleeping or confused. We were dead, and God brought us to life. On and on we could go. Conversion does not begin with us. Conversion begins with God. Now, here's what this means for you. If you are a Christian, you have no reason to boast you are a Christian, you have no reason to boast. Because you're not a Christian because you're so good. 
or because you're so disciplined, or because you deserved it, or because you earned it, or because you worked your way in. You're a Christian because of God's grace to you, because God shone his light into your heart, because God made you alive, because God gave you new birth. If you are a Christian, you have no reason to boast. It's a bit silly, but let me illustrate it this way. A few weeks ago, a friend gave me his tickets for the the Broncos game. Now, I must admit, I didn't really look at the tickets before I went. I just kind of went to the gate that was on the tickets. And the first sign that something was different was that there was no line at the gate. We just kind of walked straight in. And then there was carpet on the ground. And there was glass sliding doors. And then there was a restaurant, a proper sit-down restaurant, with glasses and plates and cutlery. And then when we got to our seats, there was padding on the seats. It's like this whole part of Suncorp Stadium that I didn't even know existed. Now, it wouldn't have been ridiculous for me in that moment to start acting arrogantly, as if I kind of belonged there, deserved it, earned it, paid my way in. The only reason I was there was because my friend gave me the tickets. It was a gift. And when it comes to God's family, the only reason we're a part of God's family is because of Christ. It's because he brought us in as a gift. Wouldn't it be ridiculous, blasphemous even, for us to start acting arrogantly? For us to start acting as if we earned it, we deserved it, we worked our way in. Conversion begins with God, which means if you're a Christian, you have no reason to boast. But it's equally true that if you're not a Christian, you have every reason to hope. No matter where you find yourself in life, no matter how you've walked in here today, you are not too far gone for God. No one is too far gone for God. If the conversion of Saul teaches us anything, it's that. I mean, Saul was a religious terrorist. You've done some bad things this week. I've done some bad things this week. I haven't tried to stamp out the Christian church to lock up other believers. You see, if God can save Saul, God can save you. This is exactly the point that that, uh, Saul makes later in life when he's become the Apostle Paul. Right at the end of his life, he writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them, Paul says. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience. Not just patience, extraordinary patience. As an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul is saying, God saved me, the man who tried to destroy the church, so that God could say to everyone, for all of time, if I can save him, I can save anyone. If he's welcome, anyone is welcome. If you're not a Christian, you have every reason to hope. Because conversion does not begin with us, conversion begins with God. But it doesn't end there. Because what Saul's story goes on to show us is that conversion brings us 
to Jesus. You know, one of the really amazing things about Saul's conversion, it's not kind of the blinding light and the audible voice, though they're amazing, but it's actually the fact that Saul was a very religious man. Saul was a very devoted man. If you'd run into Saul on the Damascus Road before his conversion experience, and you said to him, Saul, are you a religious person? He would have said, absolutely I am. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I keep God's law flawlessly. If you had said to him, Saul, do you believe in God? He would have said, absolutely I believe in God. I believe in Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament Scriptures. Saul was a religious man, a zealous man, a devoted man, believed in God with all of his heart, and yet Saul needed to be converted. Why? Because conversion is not just about belief in God. Conversion is not just about turning over a new leaf, becoming moral, being sincere in your beliefs. Conversion is coming to Jesus Christ. Conversion is surrender to Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. I mean, this is the discovery that Saul makes on the Damascus Road. He discovers, I was very, very wrong about Jesus. I thought Jesus was dead and gone. I thought Jesus was a defeated nobody. I thought he was a fake. I thought he was a fraud. But he discovers that Jesus is very much alive. Jesus appears to him on the Damascus Road. Saul is going along. There's a bright light. He's struck off his horse. He's struck blind. And he, and he hears this voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, he has no idea who this is. So he says, who are you, Lord? Literally, who are you, sir? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, have you ever had that feeling that you've gotten something drastically wrong? You were convinced you were right about something, but then you realized, no, actually, you were very, very wrong. Now, I'm not sure what that feeling was like, so I had to ask Nathaniel this week to, to kind of explain it to me. But this is how Saul must have felt as he traveled the Damascus Road. He realized, I got it very, very wrong about Jesus. See, as he traveled on that road, Saul thought that he was serving God. He was actually opposing God. He thought that Jesus was the enemy of God, and Jesus is actually the only way to God. This is the discovery that Saul makes, and this is the discovery that we all need to make. Because Christian conversion is not just about belief in God. Christian conversion is about coming to Jesus. It's about surrender to Jesus. It's about faith in Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian, you've got your own story of submission and surrender to Christ. Rosaria Butterfield, uh, she was a professor of uh, women's and English and women's studies at a university in the States. And she's written an article. Well, she's actually written a number of books, which, which are really good. But she's written an article titled, My Trainwreck Conversion. Here's how she begins. She says, The word Jesus stuck in my throat like an elephant tusk. No matter how hard I choked, I couldn't hack it out. Those who professed the name commanded my pity and wrath. Stupid, pointless, menacing. That's what I thought of Christians and their God, Jesus. Like Saul, Rosaria wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But also like Saul, she could not avoid Jesus. And through a, a long series of events, she writes this at the end of the article. She says, one ordinary day, I came to Jesus. 
And every Christian can say that sentence. One day I came to Jesus. Open-handed and naked. Jesus triumphed. And I was a broken mess. Conversion was a train wreck. I did not want to lose everything that I loved. But the voice of God sang a love song in the rubble of my world. Listen to this. I weakly believed that if Jesus could conquer death, he could make right my world. And this is Christian conversion. It's coming to Jesus, no matter what that might look like, no matter what that might cost. It's faith in Jesus. Conversion begins with God. Conversion brings us to Jesus. But again, that's not the end. Because what we see in Saul's story is that conversion also involves others. I mean, surely one of the most striking things about this story is the words of Jesus in verse 4. Remember, Saul has been attacking Christians, he's been arresting Christians, he's been locking up Christians, and then he hears in verse 4, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, he probably thought, you? I haven't done anything to you. I'm attacking the church. I'm going after Christians. And Jesus says, if you attack the church, you attack me. When you hurt my people, I take it personally. See, Jesus so closely identifies with his people that to strike the church is to strike him. That's why the church is called Jesus' body in 1 Corinthians 12. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus so closely identifies with his people. And this is why Jesus chooses to involve his people. That's why Jesus chooses to use his people. See, this is the amazing thing about Saul's conversion. It's the way that God involves other Christians in it. Because after Saul is given this vision of Jesus and he realizes how wrong he's been, Jesus says to him in verse 6, Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now why didn't Jesus just tell him what to do? I mean, Jesus is talking to him from heaven, got his total and undivided attention. Why not just say, Saul, believe in my name, confess with your mouth, and then go and get baptized? Why does Jesus choose to involve, you know, Ananias? Why does he give him this vision and tell him to to go and to see Saul? Because you can imagine what Ananias thought of that. Really, Jesus? You want me to go and talk to who? No, no, I've heard about this guy. I know why he's in town. I know we want, you know, to welcome outsiders, but but surely this is a little bit of a stretch, Jesus. Why does Jesus go to all this trouble to involve Ananias and to involve Barnabas later? The answer is that Jesus not only so closely identifies with his people, but Jesus loves to use his people, to involve his people in his mission. And genuine conversion will lead to not only a love for Jesus, but also a love for his people. It's one of the signs, the marks of genuine conversion. It's an appreciation and a willingness to associate with other Christians. One commentator says this. says, I can refuse to have anything to do with the local birdwatcher's society and still be a very good birdwatcher. But I cannot call on Christ and refuse his people. I cannot claim to love the Lord Jesus and refuse to love his saints. This is not because Christians are so perfect or the church is so perfect, far from it. We don't come together on Sundays because we're so great. We come together on Sundays because we have a great saviour. 
And he calls us together. He brings us together. And the mark of genuine Christian conversion is you realize that Christ calls you into his family. In fact, did you notice what Ananias calls Saul the very first time he speaks with him? The very first face-to-face interaction they have, which must have been a very daunting moment for Ananias. He says to him, verse 17, Brother Saul. This was the man that wanted to destroy the church, that was arresting Christians, but now in Christ, enemies become brothers. When we come to Christ, we receive a new family. And we're called to meet together, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to work together, to witness together, to do life and faith together. And this is why Simon Manchester says, who who Ben mentioned earlier, who will be speaking at our men's conference, he says, to the person who says they're a believer, but they treat Christian fellowship as optional, he says it might be natural, but it's not Christian. Or he says to the person who says, well, I just don't really like other believers. Again, he says that might be natural, but it's not Christian. He says to the person who says, well, I've got other things to do on Sundays. He says it might be natural, but it's not Christian. Because when someone comes to Christ, they are also included in Christ's family. And this is what Saul's conversion shows us. Conversion begins with God. Conversion brings us to Jesus Conversion involves others. And fourthly and finally, conversion leads to change. You know, after Ananias goes to visit Saul and after he regains his sight and has something to eat, what is the first thing that Saul begins to do? Verse 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, the chapter begins with Saul breathing out murderous threats against God's people, and it ends with him not shutting up about Jesus. It begins with him wanting to stop the Christian church, and it ends with him wanting more people to become Christians and to join the church. It's an amazing U-turn, it's an incredible U-turn, and it's one that has changed the world. Now, the point is not that when you become a Christian, you need to become a preacher like Saul. Remember, he was set set apart for this task. The point is that when you become a Christian, when you experience genuine Christian conversion, it leads to radical and lifelong change. Leads to a new life. Not a, I didn't say perfect, not a perfect life. Not a sinless life. I've said this to you so many times, the Christian life is not perfection, it is a new direction. Jesus takes you from heading in this direction, away from God, towards death and judgment, and he turns you around and he gets you heading in this direction, towards God and goodness and life and salvation. It's not going to all be smooth sailing, there's going to be bumps, there's going to be detours, There's going to be delays, but the one who called you is faithful. The one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will hold you until the very end. And this is what Christian conversion means. It begins with God, brings us to Jesus, It involves others, 
and it leads to change. It's the U-turn we must all make. And we can do it suddenly and dramatically, or we can do it slowly and gradually. But the point is to make it. And if God can save Saul, a religious terrorist, the man that wanted to destroy the church, then he can save you. And that's the best news in the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you have plucked us from the pit of sin and death and judgment. And you have placed us on the solid rock of Christ. And in him, we find all that we could ever want or need. Lord, maybe some of us have walked in here today and our life has been heading in a direction away from you. And we want to make a U-turn. We want to start walking towards you. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, do a work in our hearts and in our lives? And would you move those people that would say that to respond in faith, to take hold of Jesus, who has taken hold of them? Lord, maybe some of us here today need to make a course correction. We've been on a detour, and we want to come back. We want to place ourselves in your hands, I want to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, help us to run the race that is before us with perseverance. Help us to not give up, to not turn to the left or the right, but to keep running to you. Because you are faithful. And you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. And we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.